Hello, I'm Curtis Bowers, and this is Agenda Weekly. Thank you so much for joining me again this week. I really appreciate it. Hope you've had a good week. Those that are fasting on Fridays, thank you for doing that. I hope you're being blessed and enjoying the benefits of, of doing that. But uh, this week we have a special treat. Alex Newman is going to come on in just a minute and talk about transhumanism. It's a term most of us have heard, but we kind of aren't sure what it means, or, or a lot of people don't know at all what it means. We're going to be talking about that transhumanism. It's, it's the next big thing coming, and we all need to understand it, understand the agenda behind it, and then do what we can do to stand against it um, as the effort for the Great Reset and changing the way we do everything that we do is uh, underway and moving forward as fast as possible. But again, thank you so much for joining me this week. I really appreciate it. Those watching on all the different platforms, thank you. Thanks for sharing and liking and commenting. Uh, but please consider going to agendaweekly.com and becoming a subscriber there. And then you'll get all the other information we provide every week. But thanks so much. I think most of you are familiar with Alex Newman. He's a foreign correspondent for the New American magazine. He writes articles in so many different publications about what is going on right now. And from the Marxist point of view, what have the Marxists been up to? What, what's the global agenda? Um, he has traveled to a lot of the UN conferences, the World Economic Forum conferences, written books, and been a speaker at hundreds and hundreds of events. And I think you're really going to enjoy this as we dig in to the issue of transhumanism. Alex Newman, thank you for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me, Curtis. Always an honor and a pleasure to be with you. Well, I've been watching a lot of your videos and reading some of your articles on transhumanism. And that's what I want to get into today, because I think a lot of people have heard of it, but couldn't define it. If you asked them to explain it, they, they wouldn't know what it is. And it's so significant. I think it is the next big thing that we need to be aware of because it's fundamentally just transforming the foundations of everything that we've known up to this point. So we're going to get into that. And I'd like you just to start with answering that question. What is the, What's an overview, the basics of what this is for someone that doesn't know? Well, thank you again, Curtis, for having me. And thank you for the opportunity to speak on this, uh, I think, incredibly important subject that I think for many people, if not most uh, Americans, is going to be mostly new. Uh, you know, people have heard little bits and pieces here. So the way the transhumanists themselves describe their movement is actually uh, as kind of upgrading the human being. And so they want us to think of this as improving ourselves, improving our capabilities, including including our, our ability to think, our ability to process, our ability to gather data. And so this happens in a number of ways. And so transhumanism is an incredibly broad field. But uh, some of the ones that, that have become more and more apparent just in recent times as the technology advances include um, human computer interfaces, uh, including chips that would be implanted into people's brains. These already exist. Uh, Elon Musk is now looking for volunteers to uh, 
uh, chop out a piece of their skull and insert. I know it sounds insane, but uh, I've even got the video showing it. Uh, there's also the synthetic biology, the genetic engineering component of it. Uh, these people are essentially saying that God uh, failed when he wrote your genetic code. God didn't know what he was doing when your DNA was created. And so uh, people like Bill Gates are going to improve upon uh, God's design. And they're going to, I mean, some of it gets very bizarre to the point of mixing DNA between different kinds of animals. They're now creating uh, human mice, right? Uh, combining human and mice DNA. So all of this is ultimately aimed, they say, at making life better. For mankind at, at improving the human being, improving our health. But I think ultimately when you boil it all down, it's uh, it's plainly diabolical. I think this is an effort to uh, turn mankind into little gods, as these people themselves have said on more than one occasion. And um, I think that is how transhumanism truly needs to be understood, is it's an assault on uh, creation, and therefore it's an assault on the creator. Right. Absolutely. I think that's the root of it, whether they know it or not. Yep. It's their master telling them to destroy the human because he is made in the image of God and is exactly like we're supposed to be. Um, what's some of the different areas that life is going to change from this? And one you can start out with is surveillance, because I know a lot of people are interested in this, but how will that element uh, kind of step up a notch? Well, I think the surveillance is already absolutely ubiquitous. Uh, the problem is most people haven't actually stopped and thought about it. Now, everybody kind of knows. Uh, everybody knows that the capabilities are there. We all understand that a hacker could theoretically hack into our phone and then listen to our conversations and monitor our location on GPS. So we all, I mean, even the most naive uh, CNN watcher understands that at least it's technically possible, uh, but there, there's still this naivete out there about government and about the uh, establishment. Well, you know, they wouldn't do that. We, we have to worry about criminals maybe hacking into our phone, but, you know, Big Brother wouldn't do that to us. And, and I say to them, yes, uh, not only would Big Brother do that to you, Big Brother is doing that to you. We've, we've got decades worth of whistleblowers coming out of the NSA, revealing that the NSA is vacuuming up everybody's phone calls, text messages, emails. Uh, all of the it, it's not to say that there's an individual human analyzing all of this data that's coming in, but the fact that it's being captured uh, is self-evidently true. Uh, they're building out in Utah. They've already completed one of these facilities that has the capabilities to gobble up you know, unfathomable amounts of information and whether they have the, the artificial intelligence technology yet to be able to sort through it all and make sense of it all yet. I, I don't know for sure. I would imagine that uh, technology in that area is improving, but the surveillance now is absolutely ubiquitous and the same capabilities that exist in China to, uh, to monitor everything a person does, uh, everything a person is searching for online, everything a person is communicating with uh, other people, uh, all of that exists. It is already in play. And I think it's going to get more draconian as time goes on. And I think at some point they're going to reveal uh, not just that it's possible, but that they're doing it partly as an element of kind of controlling people through terror, like in China. People in China know if I say my true opinion about these things, um, that's going to be in a government database. My social credit score is going to go down. So I think we're fast approaching the time when that's going to be made apparent to everybody. So the surveillance is already there. It just hasn't been weaponized to the fullest extent possible, but I think that's coming. That's right. And we get to see China, which helps us really know our future as well. Um, talk about the element before we get into more how they're actually changing human beings. but but part of this transhumanism is to 
go to a digital currency. And then as again, they monitor us through our phones, through our computers, through the cameras and things they've put up. But how, how does that affect things? I think a lot of people haven't thought through the significance of just that one step. If they're able to get digital currency, how does that change life as we know it? Yeah, I, I think the digital currency is going to be the one element that makes this entire system almost irresistible. And I say almost because, you know, it still may be technically feasible to survive outside the system, but it will be extremely difficult. You know, right now, if I want to go buy something, I can pull out some cash from my bank. I can go do a job and, and get paid in cash. Then I can go buy whatever I want. And at least in theory, nobody can track that. There, there's no record of that. The credit card companies don't have it. The government doesn't have it, et cetera. They are very rapidly now moving us toward a system where cash will become a thing of the past. Uh, and, and this is not a secret agenda. I mean, I'm, I'm not you know, speculating or theorizing on some conspiracy. These people have been operating out in the open for at least a decade. In fact, back in uh, 2012, uh, a huge coalition of very powerful interests, including the Rockefellers, the United Nations, uh, the credit card processing companies, many governments around the world, uh, they unveiled what they call the Better Than Cash Alliance. They've got a website. I mean, it, again, I'm, I'm not making this stuff up. People can confirm this for themselves. Uh, the Ford Foundation was one of the key players in, in unveiling this. And a, a lot of these big uh, elite foundations were involved. The headquarters was actually the secretariat was at the UN Capital Development Fund. And they said very clearly, our goal is to eliminate cash and move toward digital payments. And, you know, there's some nonsense about this is going to help solve poverty. And, and we know that's uh, just obviously fraudulent window dressing to sucker people into this idea. But once they make cash obsolete, once they move a sort of digital system of payments for everything, it becomes uh, very difficult to resist the system because if you don't participate with the system, you can't get your paycheck. You can't go shopping at the grocery store. You can't operate as a normal person in a society anymore. And uh, that's when we truly begin to see uh, the, the idea of not being able to buy or sell without participating somehow or submitting somehow to the system. And uh, obviously, privacy instantly becomes a thing of the past. Every payment you make, every payment you receive becomes tracked. We see this right now with the IRS saying any payment over $600 through Venmo or Cash App or whatever has got to be uh, logged with the IRS. So imagine that, but down to the penny. Every little penny that you spend that you receive would be tracked, taxed, monitored. And if you were disobedient, say if your, your credit score, your social credit score fell below a certain level, it'd be very simple to say, well, we're just going to turn you off. We're just going to, we, we see right now, PayPal shut me down uh, some months ago, no explanation. They just canceled my account. Well, that's okay. Cause right now there are alternatives right now. I can still operate in cash, but what happens when that's the only alternative? So central banks are moving at lightning speed in this direction. The Central Bank of China has already uh, launched the pilot program for the digital yuan. Uh, the Federal Reserve in the United States is working on that. The European Union Central Bank, the European Central Bank is working on that. Uh, and, and actually, they're openly coordinating this through the Bank for International Settlements, the most powerful institution that most people never heard of in Basel, Switzerland. So again, we're not theorizing here. We're not speculating. This is happening in the open. You're just not reading about it in your local newspaper. Yeah, no, that's um, why don't you now just go into some of the key people, maybe some of your video clips and things, just some of the key things that let people really see um, how serious this is and how real it is. It's really happening and they're really trying to move forward in just fundamentally changing us as human beings. Yes, they are. And that that is their 
publicly stated objective. Uh, Klaus Schwab, the uh, founder and the head of the World Economic Forum, which is uh, kind of like a, a front group for this, but but you know we don't downplay its its role, its influence. It is an incredibly influential organization, and it's one of those that are kind of above the surface. You know, you have a lot of these organizations that are in the shadows that you really don't hear about much. Uh, the World Economic Forum does not fit that criteria. Uh, they're really a public-facing organization designed to market these ideas that are coming from the shadows to the public. Uh, they're still very unpopular. I think one of the reasons YouTube finally decided to remove the downvote on its videos is because World Economic Forum would put out some silly video calling for the end of private property ownership or you know these things, and they'd get a thousand to one downvotes. It just was so obvious that this is not a, a popular idea. But uh, the head of the World Economic Forum, Klaus Schwab, uh, he has said publicly on multiple occasions, he's written articles about this, he's written books about this. Uh, the ultimate agenda here is part of the, what he calls the fourth industrial revolution, which he says is a key part of the Great Reset, is the merger of man with technology. The, the fusion is the term he uses of our biological selves with our digital selves, with our digital identities and with the technological component. Um, he, he wrote an entire book on this. It's very obscure because they, they recognize that your average person does not read these kind of books, but the elites do read these books. So this is very, very well known among the ruling classes of the world. But if you read his book, he, he openly advocates for implantable microchips in our brain. Um, in fact, I, I've got an interview. Maybe I'll show it. It's in French. But uh, the, the, I, I grew up uh, in a French school. I spent seven years in a French school, so I can vouch for the translation. Uh, it is um, absolutely accurate. Uh, right now, the, uh, the screen dis uh, sharing is disabled, Curtis. So if you can activate that as I chat, I will um, go ahead and, and roll that. But what he says in his book is that uh, at some point, governments may even make these types of measures, these brain scans, if you will, uh, mandatory. Uh, he says that this would be one way for governments to determine whether we represent a risk to security, to, to public security. And by that, they don't mean, uh, you know, you're likely to go blow up a building or you're likely to go shoot people. What they really mean is you, you are a threat to the technocratic totalitarian order that they're trying to build. So uh, they've been pretty transparent about their objectives. And I think that, for me at least, is one of the most troubling elements of this is uh, they, they literally want to get in your mind, right? It, it used to be a figure of speech to try to get in somebody's mind. Uh, now the, the technology is there. Uh, the willingness to do this is there. And um, that, I think, uh, should really be viewed as problematic for individuals. So this book that Klaus Schwab wrote is called The Fourth Industrial Revolution. And uh, he's very open about this. He, he starts off you know, talking about smartphones and how smartphones right now are already extensions of who we are. Uh, it's one of the reasons I, I don't have a smartphone. But uh, he says that these external devices are almost certainly going to become implantable in our brains. Again, these are direct quotes from his book. Um, he says that uh, these devices are going to help us communicate thoughts that we normally express uh, verbally, uh, just directly through a, a built-in smartphone that's going to send our thoughts and, and our views and even our dreams to the Borg. And, he, and he, he's very honest about the fact that governments may well require these things as we move forward. I think, uh, so I do have... I think you could do it now, try it and see if that is working or not. Yes, uh, it looks like I've got uh, the ability to, to screen share here. So let me share screen and make sure the sound is shared. So um, here's the, the video I mentioned where he's openly talking about uh, microchips that would be 
installed into our brains. Uh, right now, you see a picture of him shaking hands with the mass murdering dictator of China. Uh, they're very, very friendly with each other. But so this is an interview Klaus Schwab did just uh, a few years ago with a Swiss television station. And, you know, this is public facing. So so they are now, at least in some populations, openly unveiling their objectives. But here it is. Au bout de ça, on parle de puces qu'on pourra s'implanter. Ce sera quand ça Certainement dans les dix années à venir. Et d'abord, on va les implanter dans nos vêtements, uh -huh. c'est-à-dire wearables, comme on le dit. Et après, on pourrait s'imaginer qu'on les implante dans nos cerveaux ou dans nos topos. So, uh, so right there, he, he's talking about uh, implantable brain chips that that will be used to uh, monitor our thoughts. And you know, I do want to show people that this. this type of technology, these type of ideas have been around for a long time. Uh, this video here is from back in the 1960s, where they show uh, a bull being controlled remotely. Electronic um, mind control research. Pretty unbelievable. A scientific milestone in this area came in the 1960s, when Dr. Jose Delgado demonstrated remote control over a charging bull. By connecting a radio antenna to electrodes inserted into the bull's brain, Delgado proved that the animal's aggressive impulses could be thwarted. And so, you know, that's very primitive, very crude technology. That's, uh, you know, over five decades ago. Uh, today, they, they have made drastic advances in these fields. Uh, Rockefeller University has been studying uh, using genetically engineered viruses to uh, literally hijack control over people's minds. They've, they've already been very successful doing it in mice, and they, they've announced this to the public, as you can see here. Um, the, uh, the technology, the, the microchip technology to interface between the human brain and the computer systems also already exists. And uh, Elon Musk talks about it openly. He actually, here he is uh, demonstrating it uh, in a pig. An accumulation of neural spikes in that region. So you can see the, he's got a chip, as he calls it a Neuralink, hooked up to the brain of a pig. Uh, and, and in terms of additional uh, brain reading activity, uh, when we have, um, say, um, one of our pigs on a treadmill, Pig on a treadmill. <laughs> um, it's a funny, funny concept, really. Um, and we uh, take the, the readings from the neurons, and we try to predict the posi position of the joints. Um, and so we say we have the predicted position of the joints, and then we, we measure the actual position of the joints. So uh, that's, that's just a, a sample of that. And, and here he talks about the ability of this technology to write on the brain. And um, In terms of it's pretty amazing. Writing to the brain or stim stimulating neurons? Uh, we also need pr precise control of the electric field in, in space and time. We need a wide range of current for different brain regions. Uh, some, some regions require delicate stimulation, some require a lot of current, uh, and, and you want obviously no harm to the brain over time. So uh, this is where they're going with this. I mean, this is the technology that is now um, you know, publicly discussed. You can be 100% sure that DARPA and the Chinese uh, People's Liberation Army have uh, much more advanced technology. But I want to show one more clip. Curtis, and this is uh, Ray Kurzweil, uh, one of the leading figures in the transhumanist movement, uh, chief of engineering at Google, uh, and he explains ultimately where this will go in terms of uh, the computer will do part of your thinking for you, and then it'll feed that information back into your brain so that you can say something that sounds intelligent. Um, it's uh, quite dramatic, and this video was actually filmed uh, some years ago. And even though this is not inside my body and brain, or brain today, that's an arbitrary distinction. This is an expansion of my intelligence. I'm smarter because of all these resources we have. Uh, I felt that part of my brain went on strike during that one day SOPA right. strike. And I think that's going to be the wave of the future. It's going to be very widely integrated. We're going to merge. We are merging 
with this intelligent technology that we're creating. Uh, we'll get to a point uh, within 40 years or so where we can really back up who we are. Uh, in fact, we will increasingly become non-biological. Our thinking will be a hybrid of our biological brains with a non-biological extension in the cloud. So that, that kind of gives you a sense of uh, where these people are going with these ideas. It's uh, very, very troubling in my view. And, um, you know, this is the technology that they're talking about publicly now, and you can be sure that behind the scenes, they have much more that they're not revealing to the public. Yeah, no, that's like we need anything that makes us think less. <laughs> right. That's the first thing as I hear them talk, about like, no, 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 we need to be thinking more about things. We need to turn off all technology and start using our brains again. It's just, it's crazy. But again, the root of it is when you rebel against God, you set yourself on a self-destructive course, whether you know it or not, because it, it ends in death, rebellion against God. And so I guess being a Christian, you're not spiritually blind. So we can see this and go, who would fall for this? But people do. And I know they are. And I know they're having a tremendous influence with the young people because they are so moldable and so influenced by their system that they've created through entertainment, education and media that um, they're going to step right on board for this, aren't they? Uh, that, that's the objective, Curtis. They are, are relentlessly now targeting the youth with this kind of propaganda. It's happening in the public school system. It's happening in the entertainment realm. Um, I, I've actually compiled just a handful of clips to, to show people what this looks like, but they are marketing this now to young people and to children as the next cool thing. And it's going to be so wonderful. Uh, the, the terminology that some of the characters use to describe this, I mean, it sounds like better than anything you could ever imagine or experience. Um, and, and of course, the parents are portrayed as these old fashioned mouth breathing rubes that just don't understand how wonderful this is all going to be once we merge ourselves with machines. But uh, yeah, I, I think that's the way they're going to do it. You know, the, the elites have long recognized that uh, older generations are more resistant to change. You know, they grew up, their, their brains are kind of already set in their ways. They're not just going to willy nilly abandon what they knew and jump on these new technologies. But the younger generation that's coming up, if you can market it as something that's cool and show that your parents are just old fashioned goobers that just don't get it, um, you'll find a lot more success. And so I, I think now there is a, a real grassroots movement among younger people in favor of this technology. Uh, they're, they're marketing the idea of becoming a cyborg as something cool. Uh, we see it even in the structure of education, and it really came to the fore with uh, with COVID. And Klaus Schwab has talked about how wonderful COVID was for advancing this agenda, that everything has moved online, and, and young people think that's okay. Uh, you know, we don't meet in person anymore. Uh, we, we don't even do church in person anymore. We sit home and, and watch online, right? And the government told us that this was the functional equivalent of gathering together, forget what Hebrews chapter 10 says, just, you know, meet online and, and then Mark Zuckerberg can decide what the pastor can say. And if he doesn't like it, well, you get deleted and you don't get to speak anymore. So uh, it's a very troubling move. It, it's really warming up in the schools. Now the technology is being implemented in the schools um, and teachers increasingly are being sidelined in favor of algorithms and artificial intelligence. So this is all an effort, Curtis, to prepare the next generation to uh, not just not resist this technology, but to willingly embrace it and think that it's for their benefit. Yes. And the, 
the acceptance of evolution was a key factor in this, where we are just evolved animals, a little sharper than the next animal, but simply an animal. And so then they look at us in terms of information, like some of those videos that show, oh, you'll be able to download yourself like he was talking or, or upload yourself to the World Wide Web as if that's you. <laughs> Even if yeah. you could take all the information on your brain and put it on a computer, it would simply be empty words of information that don't mean anything. It'd be a history of your life, but it wouldn't be you because it's not your soul. So they're they're trying to deny the difference there that man has a soul and he is not an animal. And what is priceless about man is that soul. And so they're trying to ignore that. But it's yeah, it's just the more I hear about it, it's it's just hard to believe. Why don't you talk for a second about uh, the good club? And, and some of the things they're doing that's so anti-human and in, in, in what they're trying to accomplish. Yeah, thank you, Curtis. And you know, I want to comment on what you just said too. You're right, evolution is fundamental to this narrative. The, the narrative that's being marketed right now to the public is that we are evolving and the next step in our evolution is this fusion with machines. And you're absolutely right. They fundamentally misunderstand what the human being is. Uh, the human being is not just a, a flesh body and, and a series of chemical reactions happening in the brain that can just be analyzed and mirrored in a computer system. The human being is a, at its core, a soul um, it, made in the image of God. And so they fundamentally misunderstand this, or at least they pretend to misunderstand this. And you see this in the way that it's being marketed to young people. Uh, there's a show produced by uh, the, the BBC, the British government's propaganda broadcaster called Years and Years. And um, I, I don't have the clip handy. I do have it on my hard drive. But uh, what happens is the main character in this show, uh, a little girl who's becoming transhuman, she's now upgraded herself. She's got microchip implanted in her brain. Uh, she ultimately decides that she just wants to ditch her, her body entirely. Uh, she's going to go to this facility in Switzerland where uh, her physical body is going to be turned into, I guess, plant fertilizer or something. And her consciousness is going to be uploaded onto a computer. And, and she says, this is what she wants. She's not going to be male or female. She's just going to be data and she's going to live forever. And her parents are horrified at this thought, but uh, this is what's being marketed to young people. Now you can ditch your, your stinky, yucky, fleshly body behind and, and just upload yourself to the computer. And then you can basically do whatever you want. You can live in Mark Zuckerberg's metaverse and you can just create reality uh, on a whim. So this is where this is going. And uh, you mentioned the good club, that the, the individuals involved in the good club are some of the key movers and shakers in this movement. And, and one of the things that's so interesting about the good club is that their sole focus, according to the news reports that have come out, it's, it's you know something of a secret society. They don't have a, a website or anything like that. There's no phone number that you can call and ask for comment. But uh, this did come out in the Times of London, which is one of the most respected uh, uh, newspapers in the United Kingdom. And so the good club is people like Bill Gates, uh, Warren Buffett, Ted Turner, the, the founder of CNN, uh, David Rockefeller was involved uh, before he passed away. Uh, these are the, the billionaires of the world. And their one mission, according to the paper, was population control. Uh, they believe or they claim to believe that there are too many of us on the planet, that we're consuming too many resources, that we're destroying the planet by having children, and that uh, it is their job as the good club to help uh, bring human populations into balance and harmony with nature. You know, it's, it's portrayed as this wonderful uh, philanthropic effort to just help humanity. And these billionaires just love the planet and the people so much they're going to help out here. 
But uh, when you look at these people in their individual capacities, this is the same agenda that they're pursuing. Uh, Bill Gates has said publicly many times he wants to reduce the population of the world. And that's where you see the intersection with the eugenics movement, too. Uh, the eugenics movement kind of got a bad smell after World War II and Adolf Hitler, these crazy ideas. And, and Bill Gates' father was a major player in the eugenics movement. So was the Rockefeller dynasty. In fact, they were some of the largest financiers of the Nazi eugenics movement. Uh, it's interesting that now they're at the forefront of funding the technological uh, transhumanist and technocratic movements. But uh, you see this uh, fanaticism about reducing the population of the planet. So Bill Gates goes up on, publicly in a TED talk and says, hey, uh, if we do a really good job with vaccines and reproductive health care, by which he means abortion, he's a, a major supporter of Planned Parenthood and murdering unborn babies in the womb, then maybe we can reduce the, the human population by 10 or 15%. And, and he says this as, as if the people in the audience should be like, wow, what a great idea. And I'm sitting there thinking, did I just hear him say that? Like, you know, a, a Christian would hear that and, and be naturally horrified. God told us to be fruitful and to, that was the very first command he gave us in Genesis, be fruitful and multiply. And here's this maniac acting like it's just assumed to be a good thing that we want to reduce the population. And then you look at the programs that they fund. Uh, the UN Population Fund is, is a really good example. This is a UN agency that exists solely for the purpose of reducing the number of people on the planet. And, and you say, Man, these people not only believe this, but they're not even ashamed of publicly admitting that they believe this. Um, and, and yet these are the very same people that are moving the ball forward on transhumanism, the, the tech totalitarians, the Silicon Valley elites, uh, the, the government people, the, the billionaires who, who control these enormous tax exempt foundations. So uh, you see this kind of nexus between all these horrific anti-god diabolical movements and they all come together in the transhumanism yeah no it's Karl marx knew when darwin wrote his book it was the key to the future world that they wanted where man they'd proven now man does not need god he just evolved from nothing so he has no value and so you can eliminate as many as you want it just continues on with this but the final thing there these elites are trying to do is the one thing they hope to get is eternal life without God. Yeah. <laughs> so they, 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 every, the whole scenario, they know they're not animals. An animal doesn't care how long it lives or when it dies, but they know there's more. And they have that longing to be alive, which God gave us, which shows we're different than animals. And, but that's really what it, I, the more I study and read different people's articles and watch videos, it's man trying to not be accountable to God by changing himself enough. He doesn't have a soul, but that he can live forever. These people, they're, they're hard to believe they're even real, but they are, and this is so serious. What, any last kind of keys on it before I ask you, what can we do to resist? But any other keys we didn't cover, they're just some nuggets that help them see this thing for what it is. Yeah, I, I agree with everything you said. I mean, you just hit the nail on the head, Curtis. This is a, an effort to make God obsolete. It's an effort to become gods. Uh, and, and I mean, this is the, the very first lie from Satan that we heard in the garden, right? Oh, you know, Genesis 3, 5, God just said not to eat that because he knows that once you eat it, then you're going to be like God. And, and he's like, oh, really? Okay, well, uh, you know, so th this is the same lie that Satan has been using to deceive humanity for thousands of years documented in the scriptures and we see this now coming up again i, I want to show people just a couple of videos on this point because i think it'll really solidify the connection with what the bible teaches um 
We have these people who, who believe they're going to transcend God, who believe we're going to evolve into gods, who believe we are creating gods. Uh, so I want to go back to uh, Ray Kurzweil. Uh, let me share my screen here. Um, here we go. And uh, so this is, again, uh, the chief of engineering at Google. Well, before we get to him, uh, the, the leading stenographer of this movement is a, a homosexual professor named uh, Yuval Harari. He's uh, over at, the, uh, at a university in Israel, and he is very well connected with the elites. He, he's very in tight with the World Economic Forum. He speaks there. Uh, Angela Merkel and Barack Obama recommend his books. And uh, one of his books is Homo Deus. This is kind of his, his crowning achievement when it comes to the transhumanist movement. And the the premise behind it is that uh, Homo, the, the human being, the Homo sapiens, is evolving into becoming not a creature, but a creator, a little god, if you will, a god with a little g that can transcend the limits of our humanity and become immortal, all-powerful, and all the rest of it. So that is uh, what they believe is happening, or at least what they claim they, they believe is happening. And uh, again, they're open about this. I'm going to show you another clip here with uh, Ray Kurzweil, the chief of engineering at Google, one of the leading luminaries of this movement. Uh, and, he, and he speaks very clearly about how he thinks we're evolving into godlike creatures through this merger with technology. This is billions of times more powerful than the computer. I use this in undergraduate per dollar, but that's not even the most interesting thing about it. If I want to access 10,000 computers for two seconds, I can do that wirelessly, and it multiplies itself in the cloud 10,000 fold. That's what we're gonna do with our neocortex. So, you know, I'm walking along and I see Larry Page coming and say, ah, I better think of something clever to say. My 300 million modules in my neocortex isn't gonna cut it. I need a billion for two seconds. I'll, I'll be able to access that in the cloud, just like I can multiply the intelligence of my smartphone thousands fold today. And so here's where we're evolving more into gods. More knowledgeable, more intelligent, more creative, more capable of expressing higher sentiments like being loving. So it's moving in the direction that God has been described as having these qualities without limit. And so I think evolution is a spiritual process and makes us more godlike. So we're evolving to be more godlike. Uh, and he has also publicly said he believes we are building God. Um, Here's a clip from a uh, documentary that uh, he was uh, the, the leader in uh, The Life and Ideas of Ray Kurzweil. So it's a documentary about his life. And again, this, this theme of evolution, prepare to evolve, transcendent man. So does God exist? Well, I would say not yet. No, because we're building him, right? We're becoming God. And, you know, that takes you to the Church of AI. Uh, these people, the, the founding charter of the Church of AI, they say that uh, it's dedicated to the realization, acceptance, and worship of a Godhead based on artificial intelligence developed through computer hardware and software. So uh, they they are essentially, I mean, Romans 1 is, is a critical text to read when you're thinking about these transhuman ideas, right? Worshiping the creature rather than the creator. Um, and, and I think that is the lens through which Christians need to understand uh, what's happening with the transhumanist movement. It is an assault on uh, God himself. It's an attempted assault. I mean, all assaults on God ultimately will fail. It's, it's pathetic. Uh, Satan is not uh, on the level with God where he can actually successfully challenge him. But that is what we're seeing. We're seeing rebellious man trying to secure eternal life, trying to secure God-like powers outside of Christ, outside of God, which, of course, is doomed to failure. But um, 
it's uh, it's a travesty, and and I think it's something that Christians need to be aware of, right? The, the scripture teaches that we are not ignorant of Satan's devices, so we don't need to obsess about it. We don't need to be worried about it, but we need to be aware of it, uh, especially in this day and age where where even some Christians are are falling for some of these seductive lies. Uh, you know, we need to be aware of what's going on. We need to understand. Uh, what the Bible teaches on these subjects so that we can share this uh, with our brothers and sisters so that we can warn other people not to be seduced by these diabolical lies and agendas. Uh, but I think that is is really the key point there, Curtis, is that this is not just a bad idea. Uh, this is not just another industrial revolution. I'm not just being a Luddite because I don't like technology. Uh, this is diabolical. And then you add in the genetic engineering. You know, Bill Gates published an article in uh, Foreign Affairs, the Journal of the Council on Foreign Relations talking about gene editing for good. Uh, and he's openly talking about uh, the alleged benefits of genetically modifying human beings. And, and he puts this big smiley face on it that it's going to make life better and we're going to be healthier and we're going to eliminate certain diseases. But frankly, uh, in, in my view, God knew exactly what he was doing when he wrote my genetic code, when he knit me together in my mother's womb. Uh, and, and frankly, I wouldn't trust Bill Gates to clean a toilet bowl, much less to, to alter the, the genetic code that God gave me. But that's the hubris. That's the, the pride of these people that they think they know better than God and they must be resisted. That's right. No, it's... Uh... Back uh, at Noah's flood, it says that all life was corrupted before the flood. And many people, the books I've read, uh, have a lot of evidence thinking that maybe the genetics of man had been corrupted through evil, vile things that humans do. Um, and it's uh, and God <laughs> said enough is enough. But we also know God said that, you know, as it was in the days of Noah, it will be <laughs> at the time that Jesus is coming back. So it's we're in this interesting time to be alive. I mean, we should all be grateful that God had us born for such a time as this. I think it's the most pivotal time in the history of the world. There's been evil always. There's been man trying to conquer man always, but man has never had the ability and the technology to pull it off, where he literally can inventory and control every human on the planet. That technology capability is there now. Um, and so, Knowing that man is evil, he's going to try to use it to his advantage to accomplish his purposes, which are always um, not good when he's rebelling against God. Is there any other particular thing, as, as people become aware of this, little things they could do that kind of, besides educating others, which is always key, um, anything else that helps stand against this movement? I think for, for Christians in particular, uh, prayer needs to be an essential part of our daily life. And, and we ought to be praying about these issues, that God would give us wisdom, that God would give us discernment, uh, that God would show us uh, where this is going and how we should respond to it. And we ought to be reading God's word. Uh, I, I won't claim for a second that I understand perfectly uh, the prophecies that, that God has included in his word by his grace for us. Uh, I won't pretend for a second that I know exactly what the mark of the beast is, is going to look like or, you know, I, I don't know any of that stuff, but I think it's critical for Christians to be familiar with the prophecies because as they come to fulfillment, uh, I think it'll be much more easy for Christians to recognize. And, you know, when they start saying you can't buy or sell without this particular mark, you know, Christians should know, well, I, I don't want that mark. Thank you very much. Uh, and, and I think there is something really fundamental here. And I, I think part of the reason why God says uh, that an individual can no longer be saved once they have taken this mark is maybe you lose part of your humanity. Maybe you lose uh, part of 
the the image that you were designed to bear that God placed in you. And so I, I think we need to be thinking about these things on a smaller scale. You know, I, I think we all can and should be resisting this in every way possible. E- even if you're not a Christian, it's just basic moral decency should tell us that we don't want a company like Google running our lives or telling us what to think or upgrading us or, or manipulating our thoughts and, and deciding what information we can and can't share with each other or read. This is absolutely insane. So I think uh, regardless of your religious views, even your political views, we all should be working to extricate ourselves from the web that these big tech companies have created. And, and I'm, I'm not saying don't use technology. In fact, I, I, one of the things that I urge, especially young people to do is get really familiar with this technology. Technology can u- be used for good or evil. Uh, and we need people on our side who do value freedom, who do love the Lord, who, who don't want to participate in this, to be familiar with this technology, to educate us. Right? I, I, I'm getting up there. I'm becoming a, an older guy. I, I'd like young people to be able to say to me, hey, Alex, this is how this works. So, so we need people on our side who are familiar with the technology. Uh, I tell people, if you can, avoid Google as much as possible. Now, if you use Google for your business, if it's part of your revenue stream, okay, you know, whatever, you use Google if you must, but I don't use it for searches anymore. I won't use it for email. Uh, I, I do everything possible to cut Google out of my life. I still have a Facebook account, uh, not because I'm going to give them data, not because I'm going to sit there monitoring the news feed to see what Mark Zuckerberg thinks I need to see today uh, or, or what the truth is about the COVID, right? I, I don't care what Mark Zuckerberg thinks, but because to some extent I use that to promote truth. And to the extent that it's useful to promote truth, well, hey, I'll feed Mark Zuckerberg poison data. I'm not going to give him my real birthday. I'm not going to give him my real uh, political views or any of that. He's going to get poison data to corrupt his database. But to the extent that I can use his uh, tools that are publicly available to promote truth, I'll do that. If the enemy gives me a, a megaphone and says, what do you want to say? I'll shout through that megaphone all day long uh, with the truth. Um, so there are a lot of alternatives out there. Uh, I, I recommend uh, people look for alternative search engines. The one I've been using now is search.brave.com. Uh, it's great. It's not as biased as Google. It doesn't track you. Uh, I use their browser, which is excellent. Why would you use Google's browser or Microsoft's browser when there's a great alternative? Um, I, I've started creating accounts on the alternative social media platforms, you know, Gab and Getter and Parler. And I don't know which ones are good, which ones are bad, but um, you know, let's let's work with them and see what happens because there, there's no reason why we should be limited in our communication with our friends and our family by totalitarians who hate God in Silicon Valley. It's, it's, it's unacceptable to me. Um, you know, I, I think people need to be more deliberate about their privacy. Every time you, you do a Google search, every time you give Facebook or Amazon data, uh, you can be sure they're eventually going to weaponize that against you. That's where they're making their money. That's what's making them so powerful. So if you must feed them data, at least feed them poison data, as in data that is not true. Um, what else? Uh, yeah, I, I do recommend that people try to get uh, as informed as possible. For, for Christians, obviously, you need to be in the word. Uh, for everybody, uh, you should, I think, have some understanding, at least, of who these people are, what their agenda is. And, uh, you know, finally, I, I think we need to be sure that we don't fall into fear. Uh, you know, I, I recognize that a lot of this stuff is frightening. It can be frightening, but God tells us so many times in the scripture, I, I think 365, somebody counted, uh, fear not. Uh, and that's a command. It's not It's not like a good advice. It's, it's an order. And if you want to know what God thinks about fear among his people, go to Numbers chapter 13, chapter 14, and you'll see uh, how repulsed, how disgusted God is 
when his people exhibit fear in the face of the enemy. Uh, you know, here, here, God, the creator of the heavens and the earth has given us these promises. He's shown us these miracles. He's sent his son to die for us. And we're going to be scared of some little clowns with technology. We're going to be scared of a, of a fallen angel who rebelled against God, whose ultimate fate is the, the lake of fire. I mean, give me a break. We have no reason to be scared of these people. And uh, I think boldness and courage uh, is, is what really will fortify the church, will give encouragement to our younger people, and, and will um, we'll, we'll be faithful to God's will. So I think we need to be very conscious of the fact that God does not want us to fall into fear. We need to be bold. We need to be courageous, uh, and we need to stand firm. Our God is the creator of the heavens and the earth. Satan and all of Satan's minions combined are nothing compared to that. That's right. No, thank you, Alex. I appreciate that. Yeah, we we, we know how God designed things to be. So anyone that is rebelling against him and trying to do it differently or trying not to value the things that he values like life and things, we have to stand with courage against them because um, that's what we're put here to do. And that's the way we glorify God is by standing for his principles um, and then sharing that truth with others. Well, um, the New American Magazine. I, all of you that listen to this regularly know I recommend that. If you haven't subscribed yet to that to get that, please go to thenewamerican.com and, and I'll have the link below. Get that magazine, comes out twice a month and it will change your understanding of what is going on in the world today. Very valuable and I know you're a part of that. Alex, um, what's your site again where people can get your books and your resources to become more informed, but also to support you. People, if you appreciate people that are standing for the truth, you need to support them. You need to buy their materials to benefit yourself, but it also benefits them. And then you spread those everywhere that you can. But how can people get your resources? Uh, well, thank you so much, Curtis. I, I so appreciate that. Uh, yes, people can go to thenewamerican.com. I do encourage people to get the subscription of the print magazine. And also you can subscribe for free to the daily headlines. You'll get you know, the five or six most important headlines of the day, every day, uh, every weekday. Uh, my personal website you see behind me is libertysentinel.org. You can get my books and DVDs through there. Just click on the uh, the shopping cart if uh, if you want to know more about the deep state or the education system, how they dumb down our children, how they weaponize them uh, against our churches, against our liberties. Uh, you can find all that there. Uh, finally, I'm the executive director of Public School Exit. You can find us at publicschoolexit.com. And uh, our mission is to encourage Christians and pastors and churches uh, to, to protect the children and get them out of the public schools, get them in a good homeschool program, a good Christian school. Uh, there are so many alternatives out there. There's no reason why the world should be discipling our children when God has given us a clear command. So again, that's uh, the newamerican.com, libertysentinel.org is my personal site, and then publicschoolexit.com. Uh, I write for a number of other publications uh, as well, including the Epic Times and, and uh, the Illinois Family Institute, the Law Enforcement Intelligence Brief, but uh, the libertysentinel.org, libertysentinel.org is my personal one. And I want to thank you again, Curtis, for having me on and uh, for the wonderful weekly updates that you do and all your work. It's just, uh, it's so critical. So thank you. Thank you, Alex. I appreciate that. All right now, as we close, here's our verse for this week, and it kind of fits into what Alex was talking about there. It's Psalm 128, verse 1, and this is what we're going to memorize this week. Blessed is everyone that feareth the Lord, that walketh in his ways. That's, that's what God's put us here, to fear him and nothing else, no one else. But he promises when, he, when we do that and we walk in his ways with the truth, He's going to bless us. He promises that. And just a couple of verses after that, it explains the blessing. 
uh, for thou shalt eat the labor of thine hands. He's going to bless the things that you do. Happy shall thou be, and it shall be well with thee. Thy wife shall be as a fruitful vine by the sides of thine house. Thy children like olive plants around about thy table. And on and on it goes there. But blessed is everyone that feareth the Lord, that walketh in his ways. Memorize that, meditate on that this week, and to encourage yourself that you are following the King of Kings, and uh, he knows exactly what he's doing. But thank you again, Alex. Thank you all of you for, for listening and watching and sharing. I appreciate it. And until next week, God bless you.